0: Welcome to the Perfume Making Podcast with me Karen Gilbert and in today's episode I am speaking to one of my artisan perfumery mastermind alumni Marie-Pierre Blanchet from Miskio Perfumes. We talk all about her journey into perfumery, creating the brand and the inspiration behind her fragrances as well as some of the challenges and lessons she's had along the way. So, welcome to the perfume making podcast, Marie. It is so lovely to have you, and um, yeah, thanks so much for agreeing to be on. Um, thanks for having so me. You're very welcome. So, just to start, for anybody who is listening, um, I always do this as with with guests is just can you just just let people know who might not have heard of you or your brand at MISCIO, um, just a little bit about you know, where people can find you. I will link everything in the show notes as well. But also, you know, how, what brought you to be creating fragrances and launching a brand? Mm.
1: Uh, Well, I'm Marie. I'm from uh, Montreal, Canada, originally, but I currently live in Berlin in Germany. Um, My background is uh, mainly from... Um, our direction and design. I worked in advertising for quite some time and then shifted to product design. But I also studied anthropology and I was also a teacher, a design teacher in college. Um, but during all of this, um, yeah, my, my mom used to work at a big apartment store, at the fragrance counter. And she used to bring back fragrances all the time when I was a kid. So I guess this is where my love of perfume came from. Um, and I guess we'll talk about this maybe a little bit longer later. Um, and then when, where you can find me, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok now and uh i try to be a little bit on pinterest as well but you know spend less time there than other social media yeah I, platforms. I, I wanted to talk to you about and um, we'll, we'll get into it in a moment
0: um about tiktok obviously because i i just started doing tiktok recently and then yeah. you popped up and i was like oh my god it's so, it's so great to see um you know more artisan mm. more indie perfumers um doing the tiktok thing we'll, we'll talk about that we'll we'll to so we'll go back into that a little bit later but um okay so um you know you've had that start you love fragrances you've got your art mm-hmm. background so do you create so do you create art as well or you know i mean your packaging design for those of you who haven't seen the mischio branding it's it's really beautiful really mm. um s- stylish artistic uh, minimalistic as well so do you mm. create the artworks for your brand as well
1: yeah, absolutely. This is I'm very thankful of my design background and art direction background because it allows me to also, you know, wear that hat within my own business, doing my own design. Um yeah, so I do everything, photography, website, image, well, not all the imagery, some friends are helping me as well, but yeah, the packaging design to pretty much everything. And yes, I I also I also have kind of an artistic background. I do a lot of, I used to do a lot of painting, now it's mostly perfumes. (laughs) I have less time for that, but yeah, I think I'm just, I guess, the artist at heart.
0: Yeah, Yeah. that, well, that shows through, through your brand. So let's start by just diving into your journey as a perfumer, really, and, Mm -hmm. um, what is, and your inspiration behind Mischio as a brand. Mm -hmm. So can you just share a little bit about the story of how that initial passion for fragrance led to the creation of the brand that is now Mischio?
1: I mean, as I was saying, it comes from pretty much my childhood. So my mom used to bring back, um, all these amazing perfumes home because she was being gifted these bottles. And I'm a child of the late 70s, so the perfumes she would bring back are like all the big shoulder pad perfumes from the 80s and, you know, also from the 90s and my teenage years. I still remember like Foison was, from Dior, was like <laughs> a revelation to me when I was a small kid. I thought it was just so... I I could not understand how this came to be, like how amazing it smelled and the bottle and everything. And I started collecting perfume later on in my life um, when I was a bit older. And every time I would travel, I would always bring back perfume and and also sometimes raw materials. And I think I've, I've, twice in my life before I actually started uh, being self-taught and uh, learning from you, I tried to go to school, like the proper official school, but, you know, I'm from suburb Canada. It was not really accessible for me to actually go to these schools because it was too expensive and also you needed a portfolio and connections and all of this. And I kind of dropped the idea twice. And when I moved to Berlin at some point, I kind of needed a new hobby because I had left all my painting stuff in Montreal actually. Like I didn't carry all my, you know, brushes and all the paint with me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I think it's time. It's time that I start this. And yeah, I started uh, buying essential oils, like not the really good ones, like just stuff (laughs) I could find around evidently, like everyone. And I think like I, I probably was, you know, trying to compose for about a year before I joined the artisan program and I was a little bit lost and a little bit overwhelmed by everything that needed to be learned um yeah so this is when I joined actually this is how I yeah I that's, so that was a out. while
0: ago now so how would how mm. long did it take you before um you know from like starting out on the program to thinking actually no I I, I can do this now I'm gonna launch
1: this and um, actually came not that long after. So I did a program at the, f- uh, the fall of 2019, yeah. just before COVID. And I think as I was doing the, uh, the program, I was like, okay, I can do this. Like as I was practicing and like, oh, this is like taking shape and things started to smell like proper perfumes at some <laughs> point. I'm like, oh, like it's, it's feasible, you know? And a couple of months after COVID hit, and suddenly I was left with a lot of time on my hands <laughs> and that kind of pushed me to really shape a plan on how I would actually start a brand, start a business along with a brand, how I would, um, what I would create first, what my perfumes would be about, like what story they would, they would tell as well, along with the branding. And this took still a good Two three years, I would say, like maybe two years and a half. Uh, I launched my first perfumes in the summer of 2022. So yeah, so from the class to the launch, it yeah. took me three years.
0: Yeah, mm. so it's always really interesting. I think actually a lot of um, we had quite a few people in during the COVID times join mm. um, the program, and actually it was I've seen quite a few people who launched very quickly actually after that, Mm -hmm. because it was that period where people weren't having to juggle necessarily a day job as well. Everybody was stuck Mm -hmm. at home. And it's interesting. I think it did launch a lot of people into completely new ventures because it was a Mm -hmm. bit like, okay, you know, what do I want my life to be? And it it was a great period actually for a lot of people of self-reflection. And a lot of new brands, I think, have come out of that, which is which is an amazing mm-hmm. positive, really.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I completely resonate with that. Um, I think my thinking had already started a little bit before that. I started when I turned forty, I guess. Like everyone, I had a midlife crisis. I'm like, do I want the next twenty years of my career to be this? And I was like, no, I don't think so. So it was the seed had already been planted in my head. Um, but yeah, I think like a lot of people that, you know, the void that COVID created of social, you know, being social or, you know, suddenly just facing that kind of, I don't want to say tragedy, but like that, that big moment in history was, probably made a lot made a lot of people reflect on their life and what they wanted out of life yeah and definitely i, I definitely
0: them. saw that within the group because we were all kind of like getting together on the q and a's going okay mm-hmm. right we don't know what's going on out there but okay we can we can we've got this you know we can, we can Pour our creative energy into something. And so, talking about that, you know, what is the creative vision that you have that drives your perfume creations? Because, you know, I always say that, you know, you ask 10 different perfumers how to create a perfume and they give you 10 different answers. But also, every single brand and every single creator or artist or perfumer is going to have something different that inspires them that actually turns into a very, very unique brand and a unique expression you know you could have the same materials as another person in front of you and you would both have completely different um, expressions so what is it the um, the
2: if you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap but you just don't know how to do it then building an airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for right now in the uk Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. What drives
0: your creative vision to create the fragrances for Mischio?
1: Mm. Um, I think in in Overall, when I try to to summarize my approach, it's very much driven by the kind of small moments of life that are universal universally a true for everyone. Like you know, having a lovely dinner with people you love. Like think of a Sunday rose right now in this weather when the you know you you come into a warm house and You know, there's people you love and of course they might bicker a little bit at dinner, but you know, like they're still either your best friends or family and you have a warm meal together, maybe a bit too much wine and that moment like across time and culture, you you know, this moment, like everyone can feel this. And I guess what I'm trying to capture with my perfumes are these small moments of, you know, that we can all universally relate to and feel um, and hence why I also like from my branding, I went with, um, elements and even in the package design, you have these little, um, symbols, if you want, because to me, like, it kind of goes back to my background in anthropology where, you know, when you have these archetypes and these symbols that, uh, you know, humanity understands them, you don't really even need to talk about them. Like we, we understand what they mean. So I think for me, Trying to translate these small, lovely moments in perfume is what I'm trying to do in general.
0: Yeah. And that's really, um, that that sort of comes back to, you know, the the creating a story. I always talk Mm. about, you know, it's really, really important to have a story. For your scent, and a lot of brands don't do that, and that's fine and well and good if you are Dior or Chanel or whoever. Be when you've got this heritage behind you, but I think for indie and artisan perfumers, especially, leaning into that the story element is really is is what's going to set you apart. And I love Mm. that you've brought in from your anthropology background the archetypes. I had a quick look at your website today and and you use, I I see that you're doing workshops now at your studio. Mm. And one of them was like, oh my God, I would love to do that. You know, I love archetypes and that whole hero's journey and the Jungian psychology aspect. And I, I know I've talked about that in my business programs, but bringing that into a workshop where people can interact with that. I think that is such a beautiful idea and the elements. And there's something like, I think with your brand, there's something that when you look at it on the surface, it's very, very modern looking. But like, if you dig a little bit deeper, you can see the sort of slightly, I don't know, witchy kind of symbology elemental aspects to it. And it's not <laughs> something that you would automatically see from the surface unless you dig a little bit, a bit deeper. So would you say that um, those are big influences for you as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's not something I mention actually really often, but, you know, I I do have that big part of me and that's really you know I don't want to say witchy but yeah like it's absolutely part of me and I think I kind of inserted these small elements in my brand but in my brand without being like too obvious and I've always been interested in yeah psychology as well and how humans connect and relate and understand the world around them you know, through different, you know, of course, spiritual practices, but through like, um, you know, culture and religion and mythology and all of this. And it's so funny that you're mentioning archetypes because this was probably one of my favorite parts in all the, the course I did with you was to try to understand the archetype for my brand and also for myself, because I think as an artisan, you are your brand and the closely the closer you align yourself to your brand, the easier it gets in a absolutely. way. absolutely. Because- so
0: what would you say your, what was the archetype mm-hmm. that you leaned into the most for your brand?
1: Um, oh, I can't remember now, but I think that was a magician. Yeah. And... Not the is it the teacher the other one I can't yeah,
0: remember. Yeah, so my so it, it's funny actually because I always I seem to attract and I think it's just because of the way that I talk about things in the way that I do and my background as well. that I often in the mastermind program I always attract people who have got some interest in these kind of like spiritual ideas and psychology as well. Yeah, um, yeah so it might be so the uh, the ones that I always use in my branding are the sage which is like the sage or the teacher um and also the alchemist or magician i mean they're called different things in different like the you know people talk to talk about them differently but ultimately like the the um the alchemist or the magician is all about creating transformation so i definitely like lean into that a little bit with my my branding and also the sage is all about wisdom and Knowledge, and I think a lot of brands do pick up on that because of the transparency and actually educating the consumer as well, that would be a more of a, a, and also if you're doing any kind of workshops or teaching of any kind, that's a really good one to lean into. I think also there's the, um, and I'm probably not so much for your brand. I think there are other ways that you can take, there are so many ways that you could take these archetypes into and weave them into a, um, a fragrance brand. I'll have to do a podcast episode about fragrance uh, archetypes and fragrance. Cause I think that would be, that'd be super interesting, but also the creator as well. So, you know, So the yeah, the artist, the creator is an archetype in itself. And I think everybody will have that um, to a degree. But yeah, it's Mm -hmm. really interesting. Um, And actually, I only really picked up on that with your brand because I was watching um, one of you. I watched your some of your TikToks where you were talking about. The, I think it was your um, your Halloween one, so the birthday of Miskio is Halloween, yeah. and you were talking about the astrology of the brand as well, and I was like, yeah. oh, okay, and then that made me dig a little bit deeper, and so how have you found TikTok then? Let's, yeah, let's talk about, because mm-hmm. obviously being a brand owner, it's not, nowadays it's not enough to just hide away in a studio and make the perfumes, you've got to mm-hmm. wear all the hats, right, so you've got to be, and you know, some brands get away without being the face of their brand, but but, but that's what people want nowadays mm-hmm. and so tiktok obviously is bit has been a great medium for a lot of small indies i've seen a few brands that have gone from nothing to being quite big in terms of their customer base just from mm-hmm. using tiktok alone and so how what let me yeah
1: how what's your experience <laughs> I mean- of that how do you find it uh first of all I had to be it took a year to be convinced and friends that are much younger than me actually convinced me to be like you need to stop being a an old stubborn person and you just need to be on TikTok like it, it's just how it is and I think also it's it comes from my own um like my own issues with self confidence and being in front of a camera if I I want to be like bluntly honest Um, but once I got over that, I think I'm now very much enjoying, uh, in some ways, like it's, it's less work than it is to, you know, take beautiful imagery, write something, put it there, like on Instagram, for example, because I think you you get to be a little bit more Content is like sometimes yeah. like you just get an idea for content. And you're like, yeah, I can just spend 15 seconds doing it. And um, yeah. And I think like I don't have a massive uh, followership, like not also on Instagram, but TikTok a bit, a bit less, but I enjoy um, the difference in, you know, relating to content and relating to creators as well and to other brands. And yeah, I think the the future belongs to people that are not scared about new technologies and new platforms. So you just, you know, you just need to do it. And I actually really like TikTok now. I yeah, never thought I would say Yeah, it's funny. This. I
0: mean, I have to have to say I haven't done any content on TikTok for the last month because I've been running around, and I tend to batch create my content. And yeah. it was just like I haven't had like a batch of time to, you know, I have to script to do Mm. my TikToks because I would make 20 minute waffling TikToks otherwise. (laughs) And I know that I have to actually script my TikToks because yeah. I just, yeah, it just wouldn't work. Um, but I actually, it took me about, it took me much, much longer to be convinced because I just thought it was just some crazy place for kids and dances, yeah. and, and I am not, again, you know, this is this is kind of what I do, but I would never call myself a content creator in terms of video content because I don't like being on camera myself either, which is yeah. why I love doing this podcast so much. Um, and my my podcast coach has said oh no you've got to do like video podcasts and you've got to put it on YouTube and I'm just like honestly I know I wouldn't do it It, I wouldn't do it if it was just if I had to do that for every podcast Mm -hmm. but a TikTok seems a little bit more doable and like Mm -hmm, you say mm -hmm. spontaneous and and actually I, I was looking at yours today and even though you I mean I don't have many followers on TikTok either but it, with with something and this is just for for anyone listening thinking oh you know i i don't want to do anything like this if you've got a brand or you really want to grow a following really tiktok is one of the fastest places to do that even yeah. even now because it's not really about people following you it's about how many people get to view your videos yeah. and one of yours has got like seven thousand recently mm. And the other one I saw, there was one that you did that was good old, oh, do you, oh, um, you don't want to smell like old ladies. What about all yeah. of these old ladies and pictures of these amazing, iconic, like Grace Jones and, yeah. you know, all of these do, iconic do women. And I yeah, think yeah. That, that's got like 13,000, something like that. Yeah, yeah,
1: I think something like that. And yeah. I think
0: it's one of those things is even if you've got only a few hundred or a couple of thousand followers, like on a platform like that, you can have a video that if you just capture someone, you know, the attention tension of if you just get it right like I think I've got two and this is another thing as well that I love about TikTok that I'm not sure if you know but like I have got two videos on on my TikToks that have got over like say 25-30,000 views
1: but those
0: are like the first they they were ones that I created in the first couple of weeks of me even being on TikTok And they only got, I think they got 500 the first week, but because TikTok is almost like an SEO platform, it's not really like Instagram or Facebook in that you create some content and it just disappears. There's an SEO kind of aspect to it. So if you create some great um, content that actually captures people's imaginations and people watch it, it will show that content to more people. And it mm-hmm. will—it's like the gift that keeps on giving. It will keep getting shown. So your top two, that iconic ladies one, that will go. Your—I can see that going to like you know tens or hundreds of thousands of, of views because it will keep getting shown to people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, I think you know I've never had thirteen thousand views for anything. No, same, same for me.
0: Even the length yeah. of time I've been doing this, even if I go back and look at my old YouTubes from like 10 years ago, they still probably haven't, you know, I mean, okay, they probably had a lot now, but it it's not like mm. in my, you know, my Instagrams or reels or stories or anything like that for sure. I, n- I mm. never had that many, but, but yeah, so TikTok is a place that you can do that. And also, you know, you can sell directly on TikTok now, so you can have a yeah. TikTok shop and, and, and what have you. Um, but yeah, yeah, so <laughs> go to come join us, folks. <laughs> come join us on
1: TikTok. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: um, so, talking about your fragrances, um, is there a particular example of a fragrance that you've created which um, really kind of captures a significant milestone in your journey as a perfumer or reflects your growth as, a, as an artist?
1: Ah, uh, this is such a good question that I'm not prepared for. That's so I okay. Love it. I love it. Um, I I would say pistol is so pistol is my green floral. Yeah, and I guess so. I as I was working on my collection, I this was the probably like the last one I was ready. Um, or almost the last one I was ready and the one I was struggling the most with uh, only because it was a floral and although like as I said I mentioned Poison um, so I love big florals but I never worn it me as an adult um, I would always go for like woody, incense da and I think I was kind of struggling in creating a floral that I would love and at the same time, I was uh, in the middle of reading uh, "Women Who Run with the Wolves." I don't uh-huh. know if you know yeah, that yeah, book. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And it, I think, it really spoke to me in a way. So that book is fantastic. First, like any woman should read that read that book at some point in their life. Uh, but I think I I really got and. Um, really touched by how, you know, you're like through the book, you're being asked to kind of reclaim your power as a creator first, but also as a a woman, but I'm going to say this with like all the nuances that it includes. Right. And I kind of got to reflect at some point, like maybe, you know, I, I didn't like floral perfumes. I had a hard time wearing floral perfumes with that because my type of womanhood or femininity was not represented. Um, It wasn't a technical challenge. Like I could do floral perfumes for other people. But for me, I really had a hard time. So I think I kind of had to think about my own creative process of creating something that's supposed to be very feminine. And actually make it my own kind of femininity. And pistil is a floral, but it's it's hairy, like it has animalic animalic note. And I, actually, it's for the wolves from that book. I never, I don't think I've ever said this out loud, but I want to have that animalic undertone, um, just to show that woman can be as wild and feral and you know, powerful and anything they want to be, actually. And it doesn't preclude you from being also very feminine at the same time. So I guess once I kind of broke through this belief or my own way of thinking about femininity and feminine perfumes is when I, I, I kind of had a breakthrough even at doing that floral, which is, Feminine, but not a smooth feminine. It's like feminine with, you know. With claws. With claws (laughs) a little bit. It's it's really interesting hearing you talk
0: about that and having, and thinking, feeling like you know, your version of femininity wasn't necessarily represented out there in, in, in the perfume mm. world. Because I always, I, I resonate with that totally. Because I've always had a problem with florals myself. I never wear floral fragrances. I have, I wear woody, incense leathery, mm. amber, you know, maybe some citrus. I love sheep fragrances. But florals mm. are all, always a little bit mm, for me. And I think actually, you've probably hit the nail on the head. It's like, for me, I'm not a, a girly girly person, and I've always felt that a lot of florals that are out there are either quite delicate or feminine mm-hmm. or fluffy or pink or, or they're um, you know they they haven't got enough substance or body Mm -hmm. and actually and on my skin that they kind of almost disintegrate it's almost like my Mm -hmm. body's like rejecting them and so (laughs) I think that's really interesting but if you if you transpose that onto a psychological kind of thing as well it does make you dig a bit deeper into your psyche because I think about okay when I was growing up you know I wasn't really you know I liked to wear jeans I wasn't really tomboy or sporty at all so I wasn't Mm. like that, I, I wasn't, I was always felt like I was womanly or a, a girl or a woman, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. have this sort of like, you know, androgynous aspect to me at all. But mm-hmm. again, maybe it was the time that we grew up, you know, I was mm-hmm. born in 1970. So I was at school to my teenage years, where in the 80s, where it was all like, you know, the big shoulder pads, like women, like being power, you know, being able to go into the boardroom and be stockbrokers and, you know, that mm-hmm. whole kind of like dynasty Dallas kind of imagery. Right. But I really didn't like these big white florals. And so I think for me, I always saw that as like, well, that was the only, if I'm going to wear a floral, I have to wear these kind of big powerful ones because I don't like these Mm. kind of like fluffy girly ones. And they Mm. never really sat well with me. So yeah, that's such Mm. an interesting reflection. Mm,
1: Absolutely. And maybe even just to kind of close the loop on that one is that Actually my inspiration for this floral was Poison. But Mm -hmm. I wanted to subvert the idea of a big floral, like a big white floral, because at the core of that perfume, like I made a Narcissus accord, I have loads of jasmine, I have rose absolute, like I want it to be big and even like a tuberose base, like I have all of them. But I'm like, yeah, but this is this is not how it ends. That's not how the story ends and you know everything is a bit dark and a bit gothic, and you know, like I said, the animalic background yeah. and you know there's loads of cedar wood as well, so if you still have that forest you know moon moonlit forest vibe to it that's like okay i I will take something I know that's part of my let's say perfume DNA or what is my my own inspiration but I will create my own universe around it. And I will kind of make it mine in my own version now of what it is to be, you know, a, a badass woman, you know, but without, like, in my, in my own brand of womanhood and femininity, I, 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 I didn't want to discard this. At I think all. that's
0: amazing. I think so many women will resonate with that as well. And so, just as a second part to that question so I don't know whether you, this is the same fragrance or there's a different fragrance, but is there a particular fragrance in your collection that really holds a special place in your heart?
1: Mm. I mean, in some ways, they all do. Um, and,
0: you know, can you share a story, maybe uh, the story behind its creation, an, another fragrance mm-hmm. and the story behind its creation? Because I think it's always fascinating, especially for people listening who haven't tried your fragrances, to just hear firsthand the mm-hmm. stories of uh, the the creation.
1: I mean, I can talk about feuille. Feuille, also so hard to pronounce in English. I'm sorry about that. So that means leaf in French, feuille. Is the last one that we launched in June of this year. And we start we launched with four fragrances and this one we launched like a little bit later because it was almost ready, but not in time for a safety assessment. So this is why we waited a little bit. Um but this one this one to me is very special in the sense that I think the it's probably the closest to my own brief that I gave myself because I really wanted to create a fragrance that encapsulated my love of nature, but not just love, like the way I truly feel in nature. And I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with this, which is that kind of awe, you know, of when you're, you're truly immersed in a place that you love, like you just, you can't believe that this exists like this and that this works and, you know, the, just, you know, watching the season go by, like knowing that you can always count on, you know, spring to come back, like that kind of cyclical, you know, how can I say almost archetype as well. Like the idea that, you know, there will always be decay after life, but from decay, life will pop back again, you know? So it's that kind of awe, like of, Understanding that we are nature, we're part of nature. Nature is just, to me, like the most beautiful thing ever. And yeah, I wanted to create a perfume that kind of showed that crazy wildness of nature. Like the, you know, think of like the midsummer, June, everything is vibrant and buzzing, and, you know, the sun is high in the sky and it's, warm and everything kind of smell like the chlorophyll and the flowers in the air but not flowers like rose that kind of wild flower but also I wanted to have in there this idea of decay so the soil and the mushroom and kind of have that little almost like a little fairyland yeah in in a bottle like that midsummer's you know midsummer's night uh in a bottle and i I think it works. Everyone that smells it really gets the idea, even if I don't have to describe what it is about and it just makes me really happy because it's it's to me a perfume that's really close to my heart in the sense of where it comes from and you know what what it tries to convey
0: as well yeah and i imagine on like a cold winter's berlin day <laughs> <laughs> that memory of like being in the in nature yeah. in the summer is uh, is pretty needed i've been to berlin in january before and it oh. was like minus 10 it's just
1: no avoid not a good idea yeah it's
0: funny actually i i spent my when i was young like my dad was in the army and uh, we spent I I lived in Berlin for two years, like when I was a really small child. So, yeah, it's uh, I can imagine like those winters there and having something that just reminds you of uh, spring's going to come again, even if it doesn't seem like
1: it's going to be on the horizon for a while. Exactly. And I I guess, you know, to me, it's also the 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 metaphysical aspect of it, of just knowing that, you know, nothing lasts forever, good and bad. And it's just a good reminder.
0: Exactly. And so um, your, so remind us of your other fragrances. So you have um, Pistil and mm-hmm. Fou- I can, Fouille. I can't pronounce that either. Fouille. My Fouille. French pronunciation no. is, is terrible. Fouille. Yes, yeah. Fouille. Yeah. Fouille.
1: Yeah. Fouille. Uh, and then I have Dain, Dain. Uh, which is the perfume I made uh, to honor my grandparents. And Broom. so Broom. Which means fog, um, which is a memory of a beach in Portugal. And the last one is Ipis, which is spices. Um, and this is the warm meal I was talking about earlier, pretty much in the bottle.
0: Oh, fabulous. Mm-hmm. And um, so, do you, when you, uh, so obviously they're, they're quite a, a diverse um, range of fragrances, but When you were thinking about your launch or what you were going to launch with, and actually even thinking about the fragrances that you will launch over, you know, the coming years, um, how do you approach that balance between, um, you know, your own staying true to your own artistic vision and catering to different tastes of potential customers and customers that you have? Because I'm sure you have people who say, oh, but do you not have something like this? You know, Are you swayed yeah. by that or how, how do you approach that?
1: Mm, I don't think I'm swayed by trends so much. So I think it's really interesting to see like bigger trends and mindset. Um, there are things that probably will never align with me. Like I will never do a very clean white musk fragrance because i i find them a bit uninteresting m- most of yeah. them um but yeah i think trends do not sway me but i think it's interesting to think about them to understand what's behind the trends like understanding that again, during COVID, people were looking for these clean fragrances because, you know, everyone was afraid of germs and viruses yeah. uh, suddenly, and I think now things are, you know, you can see on TikTok, there's a lot of vanilla gourmet trend because people just want to be comforted after yeah. all of this madness, I guess. Uh, a lot of boutique scent as well, like think of um, Delta of Venus from Parfum and there's a lot of like mango as well that I can see popping up. So I think it's interesting that people now are into gourmand, and I mean, I guess in the end, I also have a broad, a, a broad range in my own taste. So you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, I will probably end up trying a bit of everything as I go. But again taking away like the maybe more commercial or too clean scent is not something I would go for.
0: And you use a combination of naturals and uh, Mm -hmm. synthetics. So you were you always going to go down that route or did you have? Yeah. So you're always going to use the mixed media.
1: Yeah, I think it's, you know, of course, I think naturals are absolutely fantastic. You know, I just talked about nature a second ago and I absolutely love the naturals. They're beautiful and they're very touching as well, very emotional and very full. They have a lot of depth, but I think also coming from more of an art background, like anything that helps you achieve your idea and your concept is, is a good thing. Otherwise, it are kind of adding, you know, restrictions or limitations on top of your creativity, which is, I mean, it's hard enough to make perfume. <laughs> I I have I have all the respect in the world for people that are making beautiful perfumes just out of naturals because I know how hard it is to yeah. pull off something like this. Um but I, I deeply believe that you know you should get all the colors and the palettes if you can get them. And also just me personally, I'm trying to be as sustainable as I can. And I, you know, there are materials that I think are better off going with the synthetics than from the naturals and not to pillage too much, you know, too many resources yeah. as well. So I think it's kind of a, a mix of my own values and also just me as, you know, an artist trying to... Yeah create what 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 i i have in my head
0: yeah Yeah, i think it is it's it is one of those things that it's going to be um you know like a real balancing act going forward Mm. with the sustainability issues and yeah there are always going to be some um materials that are not necessarily you know i mean as much as i love beautiful beautiful sandalwood and rosewood Mm. and you Know over harvesting those mm. trees, you know, mm-hmm. and then there's a yeah. lot of um new stuff coming out of white biotech as well, which is really yeah. interesting. And we do have a lot more naturally derived materials now. If you're you know mm-hmm. willing to go down the route of you know, for those people who are looking at naturals only, you know, looking at biotech materials from fermentation yeah. could be a little extra expansion of their palette. But yeah, it's, it is super hard to create something that is really beautiful, long lasting that, that is, that smells like a a perfume, um, Mm -hmm. with, with just naturals. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a wise move. And so over the years that you've, you've been doing this, um, you know, could you just share some lessons that you've learned along the way? So maybe some like challenges or things that you found really tough right at the, at the beginning that you've sort of got over that hump. And, and yeah, what are some key things that you have learned because you've entered into this world that you didn't necessarily know <laughs> that you needed
1: to learn? Um, I mean... I think there is multiple aspects to this, depending if we talk about more the business aspect of oh, the project. Yeah, which whatever mm. comes to you really. I mean, I think, you know, in joining the uh, artisan program, I think what I was looking for first is you know, to find my confidence and my voice first, because I think that's like that mental blockage is a big challenge, not just as a creator, but as a business owner as well. And just believing in yourself and, you know, knowing that you can learn things also, like you're not always going to be stuck where you are, right? And this, and I guess two other things that are more from the uh, perfume side, one is everything that's around regulations and all the process around safety assessment, I was terrified by it and... and the second one is like when you start shipping internationally. So all the other regulations around that shipping and also just finding, you know, ship like a shipping company to do to do it with and how much it costs and all of this. And I think. Yeah, like the before is I was apprehending a lot of these things way more than what it ended up being as I was doing them. I think it maybe just speaks about my personality where I'm really apprehending and anxious about processes I don't know about. So <laughs> this is something that doing the program with you actually helps knowing that, okay, there will be processes, but you will learn. You'll be okay as you're doing it, you know? That's one thing. Um. But I have to say though, now that I'm I'm doing it for about a year and a half is that there are things especially if you're uh, independent or artisan and you're not very big that you kinda they're never really resolved, but you just get used to how you will have to do them. For example, um, you know, the safety assessment. It's still a big process. Now I know the steps, so I'm not scared of these steps anymore but there's still so much um, manual and intellectual labor in yeah. preparing your, your file to you know give this to a safety assessor and do all your, your, the tests that you need to do before as well. Um, and this will never go away. So it doesn't scare me anymore, but it's still a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> to,
0: and it's the bit, that, it's, the, it's kind of the non-exciting bit. There's the creative yeah. process. And and I think that's one of the things that that really does scare people. I think what you're sharing are the are the things that really do scare people the most. Mm-hmm. It's like that unknown, and they always want the shortcut of like, oh well, yeah. How do I get do this really quickly and painlessly and and what have you? It's like, well, mm-hmm. you
1: don't. No, and that's you that's just part learn of the process and go through owner. the process. Yeah, that's part of being a business owner, and I think and I'm not saying this to scare anyone away, but I think it's that aspect of owning a business. I think it's really important that you need to prepare for of, yes, you're going to do something that's very creative and very dear to your heart, but it's still work. You know, work is not always super fun. You will always end up doing things that are either hard, like as in, it's just, you need to put in a lot of effort or even hard because of your own you know, your own issues or your own mental blockage that it's yes. hard to get over certain things, but you're, you're on your own. You need to be disciplined enough and I guess mature enough and seek support enough that you get over these humps by yourself. And of course, community helps always, always, but it's important to know as a business owner that these things, like these moments, will always be there and there's going to be a portion of what you do that's not creative or easy and it's still part of your project it's part of your baby <laughs> yeah
0: it's it's so so true and actually i th- i mean i think in the in the mastermind program i think you know m- one of my roles actually it's interesting you were talking about um you know confidence i think you know 90% of my job <laughs> The way yeah, I see it in that group is really just helping people with their mindset and helping people really get over the the mm-hmm. the of confidence, confidence issues
1: and, and it actually works. I can tell you it works because that that's to me is probably one of the the thing that was the most important is having you as you know someone that boosts your kind of your confidence but also tells you to like yeah, it's hard, keep going yeah and find the answers and you can do this right and you know on the live q and a calls uh, on facebook as in the group i think is you're 100% right and it works so you know you're you are well aligned with what you're aiming to achieve it works <laughs> and i i just
0: think that it you know it's not with the regulatory stuff it's not going to get more fun unless you love that kind of thing. And it's not going to get any easier because the regulations are always going to be moving and changing. Mm -hmm. And it is that balance, I suppose, with, okay, you get to do something that is super creative, super fun, that is some, a real kind of like artistic, and I think it's easier for, artists who are creating perfume to make money from their work than potentially mm. if you are a painter or a sculpture or a mix you know or a it's more immediate and I think it's an easier sell and an easier way to to make a living than mm. if you are any other type of artist potentially mm-hmm. and there are going to be some things that are you know are a trade-off you know the shipping mm-hmm. regulations the fact that you know, small, if you're a small creator, who's independent, you're, you are on your own. And actually that was one thing I was going to ask you. So, um, you work with an evaluator, right? You have a, Mm -hmm. a, a partner in the business who acts as a, an evaluator, and that's really interesting because I've not really seen so m- there are a few other people that I know who are indies who do do that, but that is something that most people don't know about the fragrance mm. industry. Like I, my job when I was in the industry was as an evaluator, and so perfumers in the industry do not work in isolation; they're they're part no. of a team, and I think that's probably one of the hardest parts of being an independent or solo artist, solo creator, because mm. ultimately you know, if you're a painter or sculpture or you're a, any other kind of artist, you kind of do your thing and hope that other people resonate with it. But actually Mm. with perfumery, you know, it is, it is that kind of consumer product as well as, as a, as an art piece. And actually the industry have people who know perfumery, they know how, you know, the, um, limitations of what can be done, what can't be done, what needs changing, what needs improving, but also the trends and what people like as well. And I think as an artist, you can somehow sometimes get really in your own way and so close Mm -hmm. to a project that it's always good to have someone giving you feedback. But many people use their friends, their family and that has a double edged thing because if you use friends and family people you know they might say oh yeah it's great when actually maybe it's not and also mm-hmm. you you might put it out there to a, an audience of people who are not your target customer and they might mm-hmm. say oh no i don't like that whereas somebody else might say it's great so it's always really good to have an educated like an expert mm-hmm. neutral person so yeah how did how did that come about
1: for you mm-hmm. um to instagram so pep uh Alessandri is my evaluator. And I mean, he, he also doesn't have a background, same as me, uh, you know, from classic perfumery education. He started a YouTube channel to review perfumes and he collects perfume and he's been doing this for like, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years now. And he came across my profile when I launched and we started chatting and he's like, do you want to come and do a live with me? Because it's really nice to talk about someone that's in the process of launching a brand and creating perfume. And then we kind of continued talking after this and became friends. And at some point, I think I was also at a a point where I really needed the feedback. And I guess also coming from my background in design, you do get the feedback all the time. And you know you're going to have to throw away about 90% of what you create. But uh, I, I really felt I needed this exchange, being able to articulate my thoughts and my decisions as well, why I was doing this and not that, um, and yeah, get someone else's point of view. And I think from our exchange, first I realized that we we were pretty aligned in our values, which is very important to me. And also, I saw that he was very well-educated, even as a self-taught, let's say, reviewer, Uh, he had like a big, you know, big vocabulary of words to talk about perfumes and understand perfume. He understood perfumers, the history of perfumes as well. So I think to me, like that overall, his knowledge and his own experience and how he approaches perfume and art in general um was a really good match for me to be able to have really fruitful and honest discussions as well, um, where we didn't always agree, um, but we agreed that it was time to launch or not launch, at least that was that. But I we think didn't that really helps, agree, right? Because you, know?
0: you can get yeah. to a point where you're tinkering, 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 and you don't, mm. like, You sometimes you need someone to say, no, I think that that is good enough, that is finished, that, you know, yeah. Yeah. Stop now. Exactly.
1: And I think it was actually a bit difficult because we did this, uh, when was it? In 2021. Yeah, 2021 at the beginning of the year. And we were still during COVID, and he lives in Australia. So all the, I couldn't, like, I still didn't have my uh, certification to ship dangerous goods at this time. So meaning I was still stuck to kind of, Send this uh, incognito via <laughs> normal mail. Yeah, it's and, so hard, but
0: isn't
1: it, it? It was that that point was. It just took some time. It it's some time. I think it took over eight weeks to arrive to him, because during COVID everything was a bit um, yeah. crazy with deliveries and postal services. But we did a few rounds like this over about a year ish, maybe a year and some months, where I would send a bunch of perfumes and modifications between them and sometimes at different concentrations and you would evaluate them. We would have long discussions after. And yeah, that's how we ended up working together. And honestly, I'm so, so, so thankful to have someone like him with me in this adventure, because as you said, it's, you're so alone normally. And even just finding community in the perfume world, like finding, you know, other perfumer friends is not that easy either. So having someone that I could talk to quite often about also what I was going through in the other things and how things were working. So it could be a bit of my, you know, support system was, you know, the best thing that could have happened to launch my friend.
0: That's great. And I think that's really an important distinction, actually, that not many people think about. You know, people always say, oh, I, I need someone to evaluate um my, my products. And actually, really, as an independent perfumer, I think it's really important to have someone that aligns with your values and, al- mm. and really understands what you're trying to do. Um, rather than just having a random evaluator to evaluate your products, it's really important mm-hmm. that 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 person really is on the same page as you, and they don't necessarily mm-hmm. have to agree with everything. You're always going to have the, the you know the back and forth, but I think having someone that knows your brand and knows what you're trying mm-hmm. to achieve is is really really important, um, mm-hmm. and that saves you going down big long rabbit holes so now mm. so you've got your dangerous goods certification now so you do all of your own shipping
1: yes i do it's also a lot of work <laughs> but i'm happy actually because i got to have um you know retailers now that are also outside the eu so i have a uh, brook from saint celier in the uk now um and i have many customers in the us and in australia as well and Every time I ship orders that are not like to people I know, I feel just so blessed and so thankful that anyone wants to smell my my creation. It's it's still weird to me, and I, I'm still very thankful that strangers I've never met in my life are interested. You know? Yeah, and, that's so good. That's yeah. so
0: that's such good validation, right? And I think mm-hmm. you know, I suppose that that there's always going to be. I think, I can't remember, I saw someone post something the other day about, you know, feeling like confident in, in what you're doing and, you know, and never doubting yourself is not something that an artist will ever, that you have to basically get over the fact that you will always have self-doubt as an artist, whatever, however long you've been doing it, whatever you're creating, basically it doesn't go away and there will always be that part of self-doubt yeah. in there um, that, that you just have to learn to manage, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, oh my God, this is absolutely true. And I think it's you, you just you just get better at managing your fears and your anxiety and you know your dark passenger that's trying to stop you from you know doing the stuff that you love doing. You know, and it's it gets easier, but as you said, it never really goes away.
0: No. And I think there are there are so many great books. Actually, I think the person who shared. It was a quote, actually, from um, Stephen. I can't remember off the top of my head what the quote was, but it was from a guy called Stephen Pressfield. I don't know if you've ever read his book. Um, no. Oh, I think I've got it here, actually. Maybe not. It's um, his book. It's a guy called Stephen Pressfield, and he's written, a, he's written quite a few books, but it's mainly about writing. He's a writer, mm. um, and the main one is called The War of Art. Mm, um no, and I've if you haven't read that read the war of art it's it's all about the you know it's, it's about the procrastination of the artist who yeah. wants to create the <laughs> art but just digs digs their heels in and, and just won't write or has a block mm. or and then there's another one called turning pro and then there's another book actually that he wrote called nobody wants to read your shit and that <laughs> is like that's and he's this very irreverent like funny Um, But it's basically like that title is perfect because that is the kind of talk, you know, like who, you know, who would want to look at my, my art, read my Mm. writing or smell my perfumes. Mm. And, and it is the whole kind of process that the artist goes through Mm -hmm. like 20 million times a day. And comes Mm -hmm. out the other side if you just keep going so if Mm. you've got any if there are any listeners listening i will put um a link to stephen pressfield's war of art in the in the um show notes because i think it's definitely a book that every every artist even perfume perfume artist should read so um okay gosh we we could i could talk for for hours um (laughs) but just to wrap up um is there anything what so what's what's happening what's next um for mischio have you got any new launches coming up like what's what's on
1: the cards for 2024 um 2024 um we're not going to do any new launch because we're still working uh, on a new collection right now but because You know, I I had uh, to take care of my studio that was being renovated, and I wanted to launch workshops as well because I absolutely love teaching teaching and hosting workshops. Yes, (laughs) exactly. So I'm gonna probably focus on this, but at the same time, it just it creates a lot of space for me to be able to go deeper into creating the new perfumes. Yeah. They're kind of halfway there, but um, so I guess launch probably more in 2025. And hopefully doing more content on TikTok as well, like maybe kind of coming from more the teaching or workshop aspect and, yeah, that's it, I think, for that's next fabulous. year. That's fabulous.
0: I can't wait to see mm. your studio. Are you going to do us a walkthrough on TikTok yeah. when it's finished? So was it just damaged? Was it a flood?
1: You- oh, yes. It was, just, uh, it, it was completely flooded and completely destroyed everything. So you had to re- that, that happened the last day of renovations as well. Oh, no. <laughs> and it just took forever for the insurance to come in and to assess the damage and then start repairing everything so it took eight months uh during the year but now it's i want to say done at like 99 percent and we're missing a few bits of furniture but otherwise everything is up and running and as soon as there's a sunny day in berlin which might take a while but as soon as there's a sunny day uh, i'll do a walk for sure
0: fabulous and your work so so if anybody's listening and you're in berlin um mm-hmm. and wants to go check out the studio and some what work- your workshops are now on your website right you've got a few dates up for for next year yeah. or for this
1: year have you got anything uh, for this year and next year and also just um as you're saying this like um anyone that's visiting berlin that wants to visit like just send me an email at my uh, info at miss and they can just come and chat smell things have coffee and yeah everyone's welcome it's not like a boutique like i'm not open but if you want to make an appointment here in berlin i'd be super happy to meet people
0: and also um you do bespoke are you working on any bespoke fragrances as well
1: i have one that's nearly there um but i only have one uh customer one client at the moment for bespoke because i I didn't have a lot of time this year for this but yeah, I have one at the moment and we're halfway through the process.
0: <laughs> Fabulous. Well, I look forward to uh, to seeing the new collection and the studio walkthrough. And as always, um, in the Facebook group as well, in the Mastermind Facebook group, it's always good to see, um, you know, people who've like, I think it's very inspiring, actually, for mm-hmm. other students to see people who were uh, a bit further, uh, you know, uh, quite a lot further along the journey, sharing their experience, especially people who love to teach as well. Um, Mm. It's such a great little community that we have there. So, um, okay. Well, thank you so much again. I'm so grateful that you have come on and, uh, yeah, and shared your process and your journey with us. And as I said, I will put everything in the show notes or the links to uh mischio and your tiktoks and everything i think definitely people check out the tiktoks um it's really nice it's one of those things it's a nice little platform for Mm. short snippets of like one to you know one two minute little tips um Mm. as well as people just talking about perfume so um okay so that's us then and as always folks thank you so much for listening And um, I will see you all next time. Bye for now.